Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air, online, seven days a week at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. When you get there, well, there is the homepage when you hit that link. And there are two links on the homepage. Right at the top, right underneath the picture of the lovely microphone that I'm speaking into right now. First link will take you to our podcast feed. That is uh, probably a good chance that's the way you're listening to us right now. The second link takes you to our radio loop, which is, as the name probably suggests or should suggest by now, I would think, uh, a loop of the show running uh, as it happens to be on a separate computer here in the studio, and it is going and pumping itself out there and is available and will be playing at whatever point it happens to be playing when you, when you hit the aforementioned link. And it will be the experience that the, the intention is to give you an experience not unlike the good old-fashioned analog experience you've had or had or maybe you're still having whenever you turn on a radio dial or, or flick a, uh, a switch or basically tap on or whatever the mechanism is that you have for beginning a radio program, a broadcasted program. No, no, the radio loop is not broadcasted. It is technically uh, the service that we use refers to it as shoutcasting. Very interesting. It is essentially a, uh, a, a live, a streamed, perpetually live, looped, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting too deep into the weeds on this. It's, it'll give you kind of that analog experience in listening to the show, and a number of our listeners enjoy it. We maintain it. I think we're the only uh, regular, regularly done broadcast, regularly done uh, talk show that has that option for your listening, and you'll continue to have it. So enjoy it and enjoy us either way. It is the 25th of October, the year 2022, in the common era, and um, we are, what, two weeks away from the midterm elections. And I, I was thinking about this this morning before beginning the show. Um, and I was sort of looking back over some of the titles on the, uh, on the podcast page. And, and, and there's a tr an obvious, obvious connection between them. There's an obvious similarity in the titles. They're all very much current political-related situations, Trump being a major part of a number of them. And I, and I went back into our archives, uh, and I was looking back at shows, let's say, from four years ago or five years ago, when, when, when Donald uh, had just become president. You'll recall, we, we began center-left radio uh, in response to the election of Donald Trump. That, that's how this whole, this whole journey uh, got kicked off. And we, we, I find that we were using a number of other 
sorts of things. I would, I, and I do still go into a wholly separate subject uh, and begin discussing an idea. Uh, sometimes it'll be a scientific situation. Sometimes it'll be some kind of technology uh, completely apart from, or at least for part of the show, apart from um, the, the, uh, the, the whole essence of politics as they are right now. But, but it's hard to, to stay away from it. And I, in looking back and thinking back and listening to the current situation in politics, so there's a new British prime minister, there's what's happening uh, uh, with the uh, Trump uh, uh, federal, uh, the, the state trial, it's, it's New York State has a trial going right now uh, against the Trump organization. Uh, Alan Weisselberg is the primary defendant in this situation. And all of these things on and on and on and all the different legal problems that Donald has at the moment. No matter how you cut it, it comes back or it keeps coming back to Donald. Uh, and, and, and yet there's another set of factors involved here. Well, not in the way I, I, I let me, let me, let me, let me start the phraseology a little differently. There is another environment that one cannot help be aware of. And it's, it's a relatively familiar one. As I look at the polls, as we get closer and closer to election day, and as one recognizes that this is a midterm election and one looks back historically in the modern era, certainly in the post-World War II that would make it over 75 years era, uh, at what the uh, typical uh, momentums and what the typical results are of a midterm election after a regular, after a national election, and this has been said a thousand times over, and I've said it any number of times, the tendency is for the party, the party who won the White House and typically won the White House with a with a certain number of, of uh, you know, of, of, of uh, con congressmen and senators coming in on the coattails of the president. So there's a good chance that when you win the White House, you'll win at least one of the two houses of Congress with it. That's how these things tend to work. Um, the, the, the tendency is to swing back away from the winning party from the national election and uh, balance it off with... The other party, this is just how we work. And, and, and the argument has been made any number of times. It's, it's, a, it's emblematic of a healthy functioning democracy that we go, well, okay, we've gone this way, but we're going to swing back this way. And it's a continual pendulum. The, the trick being not to let the pendulum swing too far, not to be, not to be going between extremes but within a reasonable arc, have this moving, swinging pendulum that gets us to try out all the different ways in which we can continually evolve our experiment, our great American experiment, American democracy. And uh, not arguably, factually, the pendulum is 
probably swinging a hell of a lot stronger and a lot further than anyone would prefer. Well, no, no, I can't say anyone would prefer. To get to the extremes that appear to be emblematic of both parties right now, you have to move that pendulum pretty damn far because the positioning of the parties is such that the anti-other party sentiment and the reasons for the anti have been so exacerbated primarily by Trump and his efforts over time that you that the, the pendulum would appear to have to go a hell of a lot further one way or the other to accommodate the positions of the two the bulk of the two parties, the Republicans and the Democrats. Now, even with that, the numbers as they are playing out around the country, the, the polling for different candidates, as, as widely disparate as these candidates may appear to be, the polling has this almost eerie normalness, normalcy about it. What I'm, what I'm saying is you have a whole series of tight races for senators, for congresspeople, for governorships, and they're not all that strange from a numerical polling perspective for a midterm election. What races that seem to have been pretty far apart from the beginning, uh, the Republican, the, the Trumpian crazy, uh, really trouncing their Democratic opponent or vice versa, races are tightening up and the, 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 the head-scratching begins. Are people, how can, how can someone want a J.D. Vance in, in an environment where he's basically an election denier? Well, in Ohio, okay. And, and Vance, by the way, was the was if you'll recall, he was the he was a poster child. He was he was a, he was a golden boy for so many uh, liberal uh, uh, or liberally leaning uh, commentators when he came out with the Hillbilly Elegy, you know, his, his, his book, a brilliantly well-written well book, given all sorts of awards. And somehow the guy, you know, and he and, and insight into, the, uh, into Appalachia and insight into, into how people think and what's going on. And, and one would have thought the guy was extremely uh, thoughtful and intellectual and cogent and, and understood and, and really analytical to suddenly find himself uh, in, as a ch spouting Trumpist and steel-related, you know, election, stolen election-related um, uh, rhetoric seems manufactured at a minimum, and, and, and that's how I see him. And that makes it all the more uh, scary uh, th that he basically is capable of just readjusting. I mean, this doesn't say anything, it says nothing more about his intellect. What it talks about is his moral fibers, moral structure, and what the man is willing to do to get what he wants. 
or maybe he's managed to convince himself that he's able to lie about things that damn well you know he's got to know better. I mean, Ron DeSantis is much too smart to imagine half of the race-baiting and, and culture war crap that comes out of his mouth. I mean, then, there, then there's a Ron Johnson in Wisconsin who's a, who's a blithering ass, and he's not bright enough to recognize the differences. But, but this is not so non-unexpected. There are people who are of all sorts of moral capabilities and stripes out there. And, and, and there's always going to be a tendency for people or, or for, for people to be looked at and, and to say, yeah, you know, I, I, I utterly and completely disagree with their position, blah, 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 blah. That's always going to be the case. I utterly and completely disagree with most positions that Liz Cheney has, for God's sake. But I totally respect what she's doing with regard to uh, being co-chair or, or, you know, vice chair of the, uh, no, the, well, I guess, yeah, coach, uh, vice chair of the, of the January 6th committee. And, 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 and that really brings me to what I'm, the point I want to make here this morning. And it'll be a relatively brief one. I, I, th th this, this is... This is, gonna, this is not going to be one of my longer shows today. The difference in all of this is not in the level of the uh, reprehensibility of most positions of candidates to the other side. How I perceive most Republicans and their positions is not all that different than it would be in a, should we call it a normal midterm election cycle. There are issues about immigration. There are image, issues about race. There are issues about, about inflation, especially in this situation. There are all those normal issues that are part and parcel of the American political scene and that we expect, <coughs> excuse me, and that contribute to our ability to keep this pendulum swinging so that we, we keep exploring this swath of, of, of reality, if you will, the arc that is creating is passing through most people's reality. And we're not going to start getting into Cartesian uh, perceptions and Spinozan uh, axioms, but, but we, we are living in a shared reality, and we keep exploring the edges of it. We, the, 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 the huge swings outside the standard arc have really just one, one, one source there's really just one major difference here. Donald. This is all about Donald. You take away the, the, the big steel, you take away the incentive for the, you, you take away the enabling of the extreme fringes. And you, you basically, I, I know this is going to sound wacky to a lot of people, 
but you basically normalize at least the, the, the components, the, the issues within the electoral cycle. Now, how, how, how do you excise Donald from all that? Especially now that he's been embedded or everything about him or, or the whole notion that if you bitch, moan, complain, groan, cry, weep, jump up and down, have a hissy fit, and basically otherwise live in a world of perpetual grievance, it will inure to your benefit. This is the Trumpian, the, the true Trumpian notion. This is, this is the true Trumpian message to the people. And it's been one that, remember, in the beginning, when Trump was first running in 2015, when he came down the escalator in Trump Tower, it was never Trump. Oh, my God. Uh, Lindsey Graham was leading the charge. Uh, uh, Looney Tune in Texas down there, Cruz, every, never Trump, never, never, never. And everybody simply capitulated once it became apparent that he had this capacity to scratch and cling to the underbelly of the country. And once he had his claws in that underbelly, he was able to excite the sub-base, as it were, to respond to his sort of message. And he basically exaggerated his message. And although I, I will say, in his first campaign, he kind of, he kind of campaigned like I don't want to call it a moderate, but he was a lot more rational in what he did, or in the way he said it. And yet, all of the dog whistles, which then turned to trumpets, were all part of that campaign as well. Donald has injected something into the political landscape that wasn't there before. It's this giant, how can I put this? It's a giant permission slip to go to the extremes. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? That That there are the differences in policy as they've always been for between the two parties. But what's truly different, what's truly different is the levels of the levels of vitriol that are either elicited and or expressed on both sides because of this heightened sense that we're losing everything. But we're not, you know, liberal Democrats aren't the only people who feel like we're losing some. We feel like we're, we feel like we're losing the country, obviously. You know that. If you're listening to this show, chances are that's that's a conversation you've had with any number of people. But if you're if your politics are on the other side, if you're Trump oriented, well, this is something that liberal Democrats need to understand. Well, Trumpians feel they're losing the country, too. And they're willing to go, regrettably, they have this extra mechanism to lie, steal, cheat. At, well, that's how we would describe it as liberals. But basically to do damned well anything to get what you want. Would, would, would most 
Republicans agree that that is the way that they prefer and that they feel entitled to function? I would imagine, and I've had this conversation, that the notion that they can take it all anytime they want and screw everybody and we'll swim, and I don't care if they voted Democrat, we're going to flip it Republican, that's not the primary thought that you'll get out of republic hi i'm a republican and i and i'm ready and i'm ready basically to lie about the results of an election that would otherwise have been won by a democrat that's that is a normal position for me as a 2022 republican in the midterm election no you're not going to hear that the emotion you're going to get is the same one that democrats express in a reaction to Republicans, granted. But it's this sense that has now been, that is resonating, that this is, if, if we don't win this one, we lose the country. The country goes away. We will lose, well, from a Democratic point of view, we will lose the Democratic process because probably the going away part will have to do with loonies, Trumpian loonies who believes th that the election was stolen and who will begin governing along those lines. That's the fear. So that you basically begin a series of defensive, I wouldn't call them policies, even non-policies. You remove all these different guardrails that are necessary to make sure that the Trumpian mindset is able to be perpetuated. You, you, keep, you, you, you keep elevating the underbelly of the country. You basically allow the ultra-right wing, you allow the racist, you, you allow the, the religious baiters to, to stay out there because, well, this is the only way we can preserve the country, which country in that case? Well, there's that extreme. Now, when we have people being, uh, being in extremes, the elections tend to put not the most extreme people in power or the extreme position that they're espousing is somewhat toned down, at least on the campaign trail. That's what's so different about right now. What would otherwise be a dog whistle is a bugle. And there are too many people out there running on the Trumpian lie and espousing positions that would always, always in American politics be an underbelly thing and sort of an unspoken issue, but now they're being elevated to the extreme. Why? Because the ability of the pendulum to swing, the whatever restraints have been put on that pendulum no longer exists. It's swinging to extreme, to extreme edges. How to stop that? Again, I go back to my starting uh, position in this show today. The polls are shaping up. Forget about, forget about the exact, how the mechanisms of, of campaigning, forget what people are saying exactly, forget about the extremes, forget all about all that. 
the Americans are going out there and they're laying out their, they're expressing their opinions in a way that is very familiar. There is, we're breaking along party lines as we always have. It's just that what's within those party lines right now, the permission slip given by Donald and the people who basically have embraced him because, hey, we can win, or, hey, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to deny him, one or the other, maybe a combination of both, have unleashed this ugliness that takes the brakes off the pendulum. What is the factor in all of this that might bring things, it, it's not going to happen instantly, that might bring things back to something resembling a normal American or what appears to be a normal American political landscape. How do we get out of this to what most of us would think of as, you know, you get up, you put on your shoes, you go to work, you do, and you don't want to have to hear yelling and screaming and bitching and moaning from both sides, and you don't want to have to deal with stealing and, and you know, the election. and You want to just live your damn life. How do we get back to something resembling that? What do we have to change in the equation? Well, if, if, if you had your dream and your wish, and if you could simply make it like Donald never had existed, as though it never happened, as the Serve Pro commercials, uh, they, 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 they uh, I don't know if they're all around the country and they're advertising, but they, they basically clean up after uh, some disaster, a water, a fire, something in a home or an office, and, and, their, and their tagline is, as though it never happened. That's, that's what they do. If we could make American politics, remake them, as though Donald never happened, I'm convinced that this would be a relatively normal midterm election. Now, we're not going to make it as though Donald never existed. The best we could do, and I, in my opinion, the most important thing we can do is to debilitate Donald as much as humanly possible. And again, I'm not talking in, please, dear God, not in any physical sense. He must be he must be per perceived, he must be shown for the charlatan that, well, I think most people know he is. There, there are those who have the underbelly, the really under, under, underbelly is bought in and is committed to perpetuating whatever he is because it frees up something that they've never been able to allow, never been allowed to express as freely as they express. Their hatreds, their fears, their prejudices, with, with a garishness that is absolutely amazing. The express, I, I, I saw something on TV yesterday, which I think encapsulated the, the, the notion perfectly. Somewhere uh, in, in Arizona, uh, they've, or, they've already started early mail-in voting, but the way Arizona has it set up, there are these drop-off boxes that, where you have to drop off your vote if you are going to do voting by mail. Okay, well, so what happens? Uh, 
this two or two people park a big white van, not a van, no, no, a pickup truck. Well, that, I imagine pickup trucks are, that in itself might not be as threatening. But both of them have facial coverings on and are wearing body armor and carrying weapons, not as, as Arizona, as a free carry state. I don't know what the hell they, they call them. But they're sitting there in, 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 sitting there in, in deck chairs or, you know, in folding chairs, beach chairs, whatever you want to call them. And they're just far close enough to the drop-off box where anyone going by can see them. And it was, a, I, I would say it's a guy, a guy probably in his 50s and a woman probably about the same. And they're both covered up. And, and a, a news reporter comes over and says, hi, what are you folks doing here? And both of them respond identically, obviously a planned response. We're, oh, we're here gathering vitamin D. We're getting our vitamin, and they sort of smile and like, we're just, we're just soaking up the vitamin D. And they're basically uh, sitting there, and, and it's clear they're attempting to intimidate people who would come to the, why would you park in front or near or close enough to a voting ballot drop-off box? Obviously, your intimidation is clearly what the, the result. Finally, uh, someone said, one of the, uh, the interviewer, a female, a woman interviewer said, uh, what are your names? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm just the person, I'm just someone soaking up the vitamin D. And what they did was, what, the, the truck, the pickup truck, had an American flag, a small American flag, draped over its license plate. And the reporter, female reporter, went over, and she had her cameraman, she signals her cameraman over, lifts up the flag, and the cameraman records the license. That Well, the guy suddenly leaps out of his lawn chair, or, you know, his, his folding chair, his beach chair, and whoa, he goes over, and, and, he, and he's pulling her away, and, and she's, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's when the, the camera cuts, the film cuts. And that's... That, that told me a great deal. Now, now extrapolating from, from a single example, making a national statement out of that, probably not a good idea. But, but here are two people who, for whatever reason, uh, they, they probably were contacted, they probably are... Here's how we basically intimidate mail-in voters. Why? Because mail-in votes tend to go Democratic. Therefore, we'll, we'll skew the election results. Or maybe in their minds they believe that there's something inherently evil, wrong, and, and fallacious about anything that happens to be in an envelope stuck in a... I, I don't know how the hell their brains work. But this is something that... This, it, it triggers something in these two people... Who look who's just average types? There's nothing special about them. Who seem as though this this they were able to respond to that notion and felt like they were doing something back to what we were saying, saving their country because the pendulum has that much room to swing in an extreme direction towards what they consider salvation. But when 
identification got thrown into the mix. They got spooked. And this is an old-fashioned uh, storyline. This, this, this is the equivalent of a, of a KKK hood uh, on someone's head, essentially to avoid any uh, recognition of who the person is so that you can do what you want to do and then go back to your normal life. It's that, it's that sort of wimpy kind of, we'll do this and, 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 but you won't really know what's going on sort of mentality. And in, in a weird sense, it's normal. The, the, these people basically have been given a philosophy of life and are buying into, again, Donald's vision of what the world needs to be to protect them and are willing to go to an extreme. I, I keep, I can't help but go back to Donald. And yet they don't want to be identified for their action. They know there is an inherent knowledge that this tactic is not right. I don't want you to know who I am. I still believe that there may be a rule of law out there and I could be affected by it. Now, again, extrapolating from that to a full-blown sense of how America is thinking, especially on the right right now, no, I can't do that from an example of one, but it struck me so strongly and, and, and just... The, the, the sequence of events and the images struck me that I could imagine people who I know being in those lawn chairs and, and basically not wanting to be seen or known somewhere in between this fear of having them take away my country or whatever I can whatever I've been convinced is my country and yet knowing that the same country which I of course not thinking through the fact that if I if I am defying an election I am destroying the country as it exists but that's okay it's not a good country anyway because it's not really set up for my people and and the way America should be and now you start getting into layer and layer and layer and you get into prejudice you get into hatred you get into all the fears that have been there forever but are always there in every election it's just that people have never felt free enough to express this stuff. And the difference again and again and again, it's goddamn Donald. Now, we're not going to change anything overnight. But the real starting point in our redemption, if we're going to redeem ourselves, if we haven't, and no one will know this for a while yet, if we haven't gone so far over the edge already that we have 
actually stepped over a line. We've already triggered a whole bunch of weapons, and we are in the process of a national decline that we are not going to be able to reverse. If that's already happened, and we just can't see it because no one seems to be able to get up to 50,000 feet to look down or can't see the forest for the trees or pick your analogy, well, then nothing is going to change any of that. But looking at those two people in their lawn chairs and recognizing that they're frightened, that they feel they've got something to protect, and yet they don't want to be subject to the laws and the, and the approbation and the, and, the, and, the, uh, and, and the retribution of the system, the system as it still exists. They are living within that system. They're frightened. Their fears have been elevated and exacerbated to a level that they can't imagine anything that was done by Joe Biden in, 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 in the Build Back Better bills or anything, that this would help me, that, that basically anything that was done in terms of the medical activity done to, to prevent COVID or get the vaccine, that this would help me, that somehow preserving Medicare and Medicaid, that this will help me. No, the fear the fear of my world being taken away supersedes that which is actually good for me in the real world that is the product of the other side right now. Because things are so differentiated, it's an all-or-nothing situation. The difference, again, it's Donald. So, so, so here's my suggestion. He, he must be indicted and tried in every conceivable way. There's nothing that's going to happen between, you know, the, the, the Mar-a-Lago federal case will not be initiated before the election. Merrick Garland, if, if anything, is a traditionalist, and he would actually believe that you don't go ahead and attempt to affect an election. Unfortunately, unlike one of his predecessors there, Comey, uh, didn't seem to feel that way. No, he'll, he'll, no, we're, we're, we're looking, uh, we're looking at Hillary Clinton's uh, emails again. Oh, by the way, nothing there. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry if I may have, uh, uh, you know, thrown the election in the opposite direction of her because of, you know, all this crap. But there's a very good chance, I feel, that just after this election, Merrick Garland may very well pull the switch on the Mar-a-Lago side, the, the documents side of the equation, not the equation, of, 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 the, of the Department of Justice, the people investigating that, and basically begin nailing this guy and start this case because the, the, the case in New York is just about to get going. They're, they're in jury selection right now. <coughs> that's, a case, that's a case directly against the Trump organization, the one now involving Mar-a-Lago will be directly against Donald Trump. And that's the time to begin this process, immediately after the election. And, and let the American people watch this guy twist in the wind. Watch him uh, the delay the delays are over the, the the trial will go on there'll be you know you can make all the motions you want it's not going to change anything it's going to go forward 
You're not going to stop the trial. That's the typical Trump routine. This will go to verdict, and it will go to verdict fairly rapidly, and Donald will lose. Then there'll be the challenges. But there will be a sentencing, and Donald will be found guilty. And what this will begin to do, that in conjunction with the results of the New York State trial that's taking place against Weissel. No, that's, is that federal? No, that's federal as well. I'm sorry. That's federal as well. This basically negates Trump's capacity to function uh, as a company. And now you not only put him, make him a, a, uh, a criminal uh, from an from a, uh, espionage and, and obstruction of justice uh, perspective, which he probably couldn't care less, but you take away his capacity to function in New York as a corporation and most significantly, wherever he is, his ability to deal with New York banks, banks that have major offices in New York. He is a pariah. He no longer can be lent to. Not that he was going to get much more one way or the other. But you uh, essentially begin the, the deep-sixing uh, of the Donald Trump organization, and you reveal him as the trial goes forward as the liar that he is. And people are jumping up and down, Donald, how could you do this to him? But they can't miss what's going on. Fox cannot undo testimony that will be appearing in these trials, and you know they're going to want to show it. And you're going to see it. Republicans, you're going to see Donald basically taken apart piece by piece, shred by shred, and shown for just the simple, simple, simple charlatan that he is. And what does that ultimately do? Well, what does stop to steal mean at that point? Stop to steal means nothing, because stop to steal is about Donald and Donald's grievances. And without Donald there, to raise the specter of the grievance, all of the stop-the-steal wannabes and sort of could-bes and the ones that have been playing off of it, it comes down to nothing. When Donald is shown to be nothing but smoke and mirrors and a liar and a thief and someone who was basically subordinate subordinate to everything else out there, whatever, and however he's robbed or stolen his money, these folks have nothing to really play off of. They're going to become just like everyone else, like those two people in the, in, in, in the lawn chairs. I don't want to show you my license plate. I don't want to show you my face. I just want to sort of pretend that I'm this or that. But to stop the steal notion and the complications coming from it and what you're willing to do to basically live out your fantasy when the consequences of that are shown against Donald. Everything else, be, it puts this huge pin in the whole Trumpian bubble and it begins to deflate. And it's going to take a while. But this is where it starts. And I have this sense, call it a hope, call it maybe a dumb hope, that as we deflate Trump... The capacity of the pendulum to swing radically to both extremes, we will sense it, we will see it beginning to modify. 
the 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 undergirding of the of the of the absolutely un un unmitigated garish uh, culture statements and issues everything that allows that to be as ugly as it's ever been in our history when you remove trump from the equation when you demean and diminish him to the point that he is convicted and sentenced that takes that away. It begins to just evaporate. And there'll be those who will want to, I'll continue it and that'll keep... But no, no. While we still have a sense of penalty <laughs> in our minds, while we still believe that people can be held accountable for their actions, and I think we still do, that there is that much moral underpinning in the country... As you take Donald out of the equation, our better angels begin to uh, exhibit themselves, perhaps. That's how I see this going. I, I, it, it, I, I have no idea what's going. I, I believe, I, I still believe, that there could be an outpouring of Democratic support that will overwhelm the Republican outpouring of support and the fears that Republicans have, this extremes that we've gone to. And, and God knows what could happen uh, with the challenges, and God knows what happens if some newly minted Secretary of State gets in there and starts actually trying to flip the election. I, I don't know where this is going to go after you know, the voting two weeks from now. God knows. It, it, it could be a mess. But I am convinced that as you diminish Donald, demean him, and take him out of the equation and show him for what he is, the inevitable result is to deflate, to, to deactivate, to, to turn down the heat on the madness that has overtaken the body politic in this country. And that will be a very, very welcome thing. It's not gonna happen quickly. I've, I've heard people, it, 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 could be a, it, could be a, it could be a few cycles before the Republicans really, really purge themselves of the, of, of the permission slip to do anything to gain power because grievance, when grievance is your platform, you can, you can, you can allow yourself anything if that's all you, if, if the expression of grievance and therefore my right to power by any means, because otherwise you'll simply perpetuate my grievance and that's all you're about. You don't care about me, you just want to make my, wife, my life miserable. I have no choice but to take this any, to get that to guess to scrub that out, that irrational fear, and it's fear, that's all it is, to get that fear out of the Republican mindset and to give them the, the encouragement to live by the convictions of some kind of a, a platform, some kind of a, of, of, a, of a basic set of policies, to feel that they could go back to being a party, not just a mass of grievance, it could take a while, but the only, only way there I can imagine is to get Donald the hell out of the equation. And you do that by doing exactly what we're doing 
right now. What the Attorney General in New York is doing, what the Justice Department is doing, everybody's moving along. And by the way, as much as people are saying, oh my God, it's taking so long, anyone else would be in prison. No. The trial of the kid that shot up those kids in Parkland High School in Florida just took place. How many years later? The feds finally, finally, finally had exactly what they wanted and had the case exactly sewn up. How, was that five years? How long has that been? Parkland? And here we are at how long since the Mar-a-Lago, uh, well, a year and a half, two years on that. Well, it's already a slam dunk. But it can't happen quick enough. Donald must be diminished. And the last thing, last thing anyone should imagine is, is, is wishing physical ill on this man. No, you don't want to do that for a couple of reasons. A, that's not how you do things. And B, you don't want a martyr. You do not want to bring physical ill on anyone. You don't want to bring physical harm to any politician. We don't, please, 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 let's not go in that direction. Although I'm sure it's in the minds, it was in the minds of all those people on January 6th that stormed the Capitol. Please, that's not the way we go. But we do have a path to some level of normalcy and the preservation of, Mr. Franklin, will it be a republic? It will be a republic if we can keep it. We have a pathway back to that within the context of the great American experiment that we are still all a part of. Yeah, I believe it. And I have hope that this is how it will play out. I also have uh, uh, tremendous hope in the curative power of America's greatest original cultural contribution to the world. A little more jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. As insane as our politics are, the actual polling suggests that things are happening in a relatively predictable way for a midterm election. What is different? It's the level of, of viciousness and anger. And what is the primary element driving all that? It is Donald. Take him out of the equation by lawsuits, get him convicted, get him sentenced, and things begin to get better.